So we're actually doing a series on prayer, uh, and as, we are, as we've kind of launched into it in the last couple of weeks, what we know is, is that prayer is, is difficult for a lot of us, and, and here's what I mean by that. For many of us, as we think about prayer, or as you think about prayer, uh, we have all been taught to pray. We're all taught, if nothing else, that we ought to pray, or if you were born in a family and raised in a family that didn't have a particular uh, religious affinity, then you were, you know, kind of a compilation of different people's prayers that you heard to inform you how to pray, but very few of us are ever taught how to pray. And if anybody ever asked you, how do you pray? Most of our our response would be something to the effect of, you just talk to God. And what's interesting is when Jesus' disciples, in fact, in the verse we're going to read today, Jesus' disciples, Luke records that they asked him, you know, Jesus, how do you pray? In other words, Jesus, there's a way that you're praying that we're not familiar with. There's a way that you're praying that we want to learn from you. How do you think about how do you approach and how do you pray? You know what he didn't say? You just talk to God. He said, this is how you pray. And here's the implication of that. Perhaps there's a wrong way to pray. And that's a bit offensive and that's a bit difficult. But if we're being honest, it makes sense. Because we said the first couple of weeks that for a lot of us, prayer doesn't really make sense. Because if you were to look at how God answers prayer, how it seems like God answers prayers, there's the really weighty prayers, there's the cancer prayers, there's the you know, meaningful career employment, providing for my family prayers, there's the health prayers, God please help this, to work out prayers. And then there's the, God, if you could give soft greens at Augusta so Tiger could win prayers, you know, and we're praying that he does answer that one, by the way, you know. But if we look at it, there's kind of a mismatch where you'd say, okay, you know, I prayed for a green light and I got a green light, but I prayed for this cancer would be we healed and it wasn't healed. It seems like God, in some type of a cosmic way, there's, there's a misalignment of the priority of answered prayer. Why would you let this, this one seemingly insignificant one go answered and yet this one really weighty one go unanswered? And so some of us have come to the conclusion that perhaps God doesn't exist. That perhaps all prayer is at its core is a categorical recognition. I never knew how many red Hondas there were until I bought a red Honda. And all of a sudden, the awareness of that category, I saw so many new red Hondas. And prayer is kind of the same way that I never understood how many prayers that God answered until all of a sudden I started praying stuff. And some of us came to the realization that God didn't answer that. That was going to happen anyway. You just realized it because, and and noticed it because you asked for it. And so does prayer even work. And then Jesus says something a little bit more confounding. He says, and before you pray, before you, before you launch in to ask for God for all the things that you need, I want you to know that your heavenly father knows what you need before you even ask, <laughs> to which we would say, well, so why do we pray? If you know everything, if you know everything that I need, in fact, if you know all the things that I don't even know that I need, then why in the world do I even pray? And Jesus would say, I am so glad you asked. In fact, he gives a preamble to prayer. He says, first, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick a place, basically. I want you to pick a place. I want you to pick a location to pray in. Now, for many of us, we, you know, you can pray anywhere. You can pray driving down the street. You can pray, you know, in the middle of your backswing or, you know, you can pray at any point in time. But we kind of think we can pray at any point. Jesus says, hey, let me just tell you about prayer. I want you to pick a place. 
I want you to pick a place in isolation so that it's uninterrupted and you can just go and talk to your Father in heaven. We said this since week one, that this is so important because the purpose of prayer is more about intimacy with God than bending God to achieve our will. There's a big difference in any relationship between the couple that communicates in the by and by of life and the couple that spends hours on hours at the end sitting in the parking lot, sitting in the restaurant, the people who sit around the campfire and have this deep, meaningful conversation. Perhaps that's more of the purpose and the point of prayer. He launches this and says, don't think that God's going to hear you for your, for your many words. And then he says, you know, but this is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. This was a rendition. This wasn't a specific how he was supposed to pray because the verses that we're going to read today, he actually says them again but says them a little bit wrong. But he basically says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to declare God's greatness. I want you to declare God's glory. I want you to submit or I want you to say, God, your will be done first, your deal before my deal. And by the way, God, here are the things that I'm dependent on you for. So in Luke 11, the disciples come up to him, and they say, Jesus, how do we, how do we pray? Chapter 11, verse 1, this is what we're going to launch into. And by the way, if you're um, fairly new to Jesus, Bible, Christianity, one of the cool things about Luke that you may not know is this is a historical document that there's a guy named Luke who records this. Luke um, is actually writing to his buddy Theophilus, and as he's writing to his buddy Theophilus, he's basically gone through, Theophilus is this you know, pretty wealthy guy that's probably hired Luke. Luke is a doctor and a historian, and so Luke interviews tons of different people, tons of different eyewitnesses, and says, let me get an orderly account of the life of Jesus so that I may help you to Theophilus have a little bit more bones and a little bit more, you know, fullness behind what you actually believe. And so this is Luke's kind of documentation of one, one of the things that Jesus said, verse, chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And I love how he says that because he says, you know, by the way, again, this isn't any time, any place, anywhere that you can't talk to God. But, but Jesus, when he prayed, he went to a particular place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he, being Jesus, said to them, and he didn't say, you just, you just talk to God. He said, okay, well, let me teach you how to pray. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each daily our daily bread and forgive us our sins. And we forgive and we... And we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. <laughs> and, if, and if you were tracking last week, um, you would raise your hand at this point and say, Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but you, <laughs> you said the Lord's Prayer wrong, okay? <clears throat> Jesus, it's our Father who art in heaven, okay? Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus, that's like a huge part of this whole prayer thing. And he says, no, 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 it, it's, it's, this is important. It's not about a formula. Because it's relationally driven, right? When you talk to your parents, when you talk to your spouse, there's not a formula that you go to them with. So he says, you know, Father, relationship, this, this is what it is. You know, God, I'm gonna, again, I'm going to declare your greatness in God, your kingdom before my kingdom. This is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Forgive us our sins, but we forgive everyone who sins against us, lead, not, lead us not into temptation. And then he said to them, and this is what we're going to talk about today. And this is really, really fascinating. Because this is a story that if you were truthfully making up the Bible, right? If this is just, you know, a group of people got together and said, let's, let's make this whole thing up. This is not a story that you would put in here. And the reason is, is because this story is incredibly demeaning and degrading towards God. 
And let me read it to you. He says, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, let me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is shut. My, my children are in bed with me. He says, don't, don't, don't do it. I cannot get up and I cannot give you anything. Now he says, come on, let, let, let's, you know, take a step back and, and think about this. And this is interesting because in a context that we don't really, you know, live into, um, we wouldn't do this. Somebody would text us, right? Or we don't even really go and knock on our neighbor's door for eggs anymore. Although I like to think about doing that sometimes. What would happen if I actually went to my neighbor's door and like, hey, can I, can I borrow an egg and a cup of sugar? You know, <laughs> they'd probably be like, wait, who are you again? I'm the neighbor. But he goes to his neighbor house because he's got someone coming over. In their culture, hospitality was a huge thing. In their culture, um, you, you wanted something for people when they showed up, and it was incredibly disrespectful, and there was all kinds of social implications to not. And so he goes to his neighbor's house, gets there you know, about midnight, and he says, man, I've got some friends that are traveling, and I need some stuff. And so the friend says back to him, don't bother me. Now, in their culture, this was different than us. You know, some of you, you live in like an apartment and it's got a bunch of different rooms and everybody's got their own room and somebody knocks on the door and somebody's got to go answer it. Or some of us, you know, you live in a house and there's a first story and there's a second story and, you know, to go and answer the door. But they lived mostly in one bedroom things where if, as you were putting people to bed, people in the family to bed, um, all of the people would be lined up. They'd kind of be, you know, collected in together and they didn't have a door that just naturally like really easily swung open with hinges. It was a more complex door, it took a lot more work to get open and shut. And so here's what he's saying. If I have to get up right now, I got to wake my entire family up and it's going to be a huge disruption to our family for me to get up, for me to open the door and to go give you your stuff. So he continues in this story. He says, I tell you, verse eight. Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. In a different parable, um, Luke records as Jesus is about to uh, be crucified. Jesus tells a story, he says, this is how I want you to pray. He tells him a story, a similar parable. He says, there's this, you know, there's this lady and she wants something and she keeps going to this judge. And this judge, he says, it's an unrighteous, ungod-fearing judge. And she keeps going to him, and she keeps going to him, she keeps going to him, and says, give me what I want, give me what I want, give me what I want, give me what I need, give me what I need, give me what I need, give me what I need. And finally, you know what the judge says? I, I don't like you, I don't care about you, but I will give you what you need simply to get you off of my caseload. And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, and that's how I want you to pray. Now, here's what's interesting about this. If you've ever studied parables, you know that when we read it, one of them is us and one of them is God. And you could look at this and say, okay, well, I'm pretty clear who us is. I'm pretty clear who we are. We're the neighbor that goes and knocks or we're the lady that goes and, you know, repetitively goes to the judge and says, give me, give me, give me, this is what I need. But God... I'm not trying to be disrespectful with this. 
But that kind of makes you this angry neighbor who doesn't want to give anything to anybody who asks. And that kind of, you know, and, and God, you know, I don't, I don't know if you understand this is Jesus. You're talking and you're saying this, which you are God. So this is disrespectful to yourself. But I guess maybe if that's you, then you can say that. But, but that means that you are saying that you're this unrighteous, ungod-fearing judge. <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, I want to like take this story and, and in a pastoral cool way, like, like turn it upside down or sideways and say, and this is what it means. But I love how Jesus tells us the basic moral of the story. He says, he doesn't do it because it's his friend in verse 8. Yet because of this guy's impudence, that means this like bold, shameless persistence. Because of his impudence, he will rise and he's going to give him whatever he needs. (laughs) So here's here's what he's saying. God's not going to give it to you because he loves you. He's going to give it to you because you just bug him to death and he's like, fine. (laughs) Right? So let's pray. Okay. The problem is, is he doesn't do a ton to clarify that. And it's this weird, again, if if you were making this up, this is probably how, how you would make up teaching people to pray. Because to say this, to be honest, is just, it's simply irreverent. It's belittling. To God. But he says, come on, I want you, I want you when you pray and when you ask and when you pray and when you ask and when you pray and when you ask, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be so incredibly consistent and repetitive and I want you to feel like you are bugging me and bugging me and bugging me and bugging me until finally perhaps I capitulate. Now, as, as kind of odd as this story is, if you're a parent, perhaps this makes sense to you. Because there are times that my kid um, asks me for something, and at first it's like, man, no. And I, as a parent, I think God probably has reasons, but as a parent, like, I don't have any good reasons outside of the fact that I just want to say no sometimes. I want to like, assert my authority. And so you know, this morning, for instance, Ava wanted to bring, if you guys follow Incredibles 2, um, then you know about Jack-Jack who has powers. Okay, And, and so Ava's got this little Jack-Jack doll, and, and she's talking to Lindsay and I. Road sick this morning, and uh, so it was just you know, Ava and I were going to come. And she was talking to her mom, and she was saying, you know, she was, hey, can I, can I bring Jack-Jack to church? church and Lindsay was like no please and then Lindsay was like no <laughs> please you know and she's like no you know and there's that there's that point as a parent where you realize you really don't have a reason to say no except for like if you leave this doll at church it's going to be a problem but then like internally as a parent you're thinking wait if you leave this doll at church that's a great thing because this doll is wildly annoying right actually Ava leave the doll at church you know let's donate it. let's be selfless here and so she says you know okay you know fine Ava you, you can take it so then Ava changed her mind and says actually mom can I bring my yo-yo to church now now she has no clue how to use a yo-yo okay she just holds the string and drags it and she gets she literally gets hyped about this and, and you can go back in the kid well don't go back in the kids ministry right now they won't let you but if you're a parent you can go back there and you can see Ava has this yo-yo and she is so hyped about the yo-yo but but let me me tell you why let me tell you why because sometimes as a parent sometimes as a parent that the plea and the cry of your kid is moving to your heart let me just be honest theologically this puts me in all kinds of tizzies all kinds of problems because i believe god is all-knowing i believe god is all-powerful 
But sometimes we want to get so in love with this kind of like theological camp that we deny what the, clip, the scripture clearly states. That Jesus is saying, hey, keep asking, keep praying, keep asking, keep praying. And you know what some of the coolest stories are? It's not, man, I prayed once and this thing happened. It's the person who prayed for years and years and years and years for a spouse or for a friend. And finally, over an extended period of time, that person who was totally shut off from God began to slowly, slowly, slowly over time become more okay. And they just kept praying and they just kept praying and they just kept praying and they just kept praying. In fact, for some of you, I get the opportunity that, you know, when your parents will show up if you're in college and, and maybe you'll get baptized or something like that happens. And, and I'll talk to a parent and parents and say, I am just so thankful because we have been praying. We have been praying for days. We have been praying for weeks. We have been praying for months. We have been praying for years. I was in the gym not too long ago and I was talking to this lady who had just started coming to our church and, and I was telling her, you know, she was telling me, oh, I appreciate it so much and I, you know, thank you and I basically said, you don't have to thank me. Everybody else does everything. I just put on a microphone and take credit. So, you know, thank them. And she said, you know, I just want to say thank you and, and was talking about how, it, how difficult it was and how she had always kind of been around church but never really connected with church and always been around faith and God and belief but never really connected. We started talking about how every Sunday is somebody's Sunday. And in the middle of this conversation, I say, you know, what we know is that every Sunday, lots of people show up who are well acquainted with church and lots of people show up who aren't. Some people who have shown up to the church for the 10th time or the 100th time or the 1,000th time. But for some folks, when they walk into church on Sunday morning, it is the very first time in a long time, perhaps the very first time ever, but they have had family members, they've had friends that have been praying for them for years, and we have an opportunity. She said, that's my story. My mom and my grandma have been praying for me for over 10 years that I find a place. I've always kind of had faith. I've always kind of had this belief, and I've always had this kind of God thing. But for the very first time, I connected with Jesus as my heavenly father. And those are the stories. Those are the stories that when you hear it, you see it. That God... The heart of God is moved by the persistent and consistent prayers of the people. But somewhere in this, right, we sometimes, or not sometimes, we oftentimes pray for a week or a day or a month. We say, God, I prayed. God, I prayed. And it seems like you didn't, it seems like, God, you didn't do anything. And in that objection, Jesus begins to tell us this, this whole second part about it. This is what he says. In fact, he, again, tells us kind of the, the bottom line of the story. Verse 9, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Which some of us, again, interpret that as like a blank check. Okay, so God, I'm going to ask you for anything. And God, I'm asking you for a 66 to 76 Bronco. And God, I prayed it over and over and over. So would you help it to come to fruition? And we kind of see that God is this prayer blank check. So we would have the objection. Okay, God, I asked and I seeked or sought. Seeked is more like if you're from Wakulla, you know. And I knocked <laughs> over and over and over again. And God, and I didn't get anything. So he says, well, let me, let me tell you one more thing about prayer before we conclude. He says, what father 
among you. If his son asks for a fish, well, instead of a fish, give him a serpent. He says, or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, and pause because, you know, we hear that and we think, well, I'm not evil. As a comparison to each other, you're not, I'm not, we're fairly similar. But compared to God, the reality is, and the reality of Christianity is simple. It's that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We all communally share this problem called sinfulness. In God and his holiness, we are, you know, at our best, evil. And God's, in, in, in case you're, you know, again, brand new to, to, to Christianity, this is the centrality of the message. It's not be a good person, be a good person, be a good person, you know, have better morality, and eventually God will accept you. It's come to the realization that we are innately sinful people, that we are people who have been alienated from God. But the good news is that God never expected us to earn our way into his good presence. God, on the other side of it, saw that we couldn't, gave his son to die for us, gave us the ability to call him our heavenly father and have a reconciled relationship with God. He says, come on, come on. You acknowledge this, that we've sinned, that we've messed up, that we have in fact erred. He said, so if you get that, how much more, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He says, come on, if you know how to give good gifts, if you know how to give gifts, if, if you would never in your right mind, if your kid, you know, if you're walking into church and your kid asks you for the yo-yo that's in your pocket because she's taken four freaking ever to get out of the house. And so you just grab the yo-yo, wind it up, stuff in your pocket and say, Ava, let's roll. And, you know, you get down and she says, daddy, my yo-yo, daddy, my yo-yo. I'm not reaching and be like, oh, I've got a scorpion. Like <laughs> it's about to get real Sunday morning, you know, like you would call DCF on me, right? Or you would call somebody, if nothing else, you'd call an officer. Like, like that would be a huge problem if that happened. And he's like, come on, God. God's not like that. I know sometimes it seems like he is because you are so persistent. I know sometimes it seems like he is because what you're praying for seems so incredibly important. And sometimes it seems like perhaps God isn't a loving heavenly father because what God in his right mind wouldn't answer the prayer the way that you asked it. This is why I think it's so important to know that he is a loving heavenly father. Because at the end, he answers it by saying, let me, let me just tell you, God will give you the Holy Spirit. Like, he's not going to withhold things. In fact, he's going to give you the best good that you could ever have, which is his spirit. This is a little bit different because we think the best good that we could ever have would be the answer to the thing that we've asked for. He says, come on, you know, if you're a Christian, you know better than that. You know all the things that you could ever ask for pale in comparison to getting God himself. And sometimes the answer is going to be yes. And sometimes the answer is going to be no. But in case you wondered if you could ever trust him, he is your heavenly father who has given you his presence. And if he would send his son to die, then you can trust him with the rest. So let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask a little bit more pointed of a question. 
What is your prayer life like if you're in here and you are a Christian? Is there anything that you are praying for or have been praying for that you have been praying for for days, weeks, months, years, perhaps decades? For some of you think decades, that's like half of my life, man. I get it. But is there anything that you are so persistent in your prayer life for? And it's so easy to give up. And Jesus says, you know, no, no, I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. And I'm going to give you, tell you how to pray. And when I tell you how to pray, then I know that it's going to seem difficult. And you're going to seem that you keep asking, you keep knocking, you keep asking, you knock on. But don't give up. Don't give up. Don't you dare give up. Don't give up because as you continue, as you continue, as you continue, and as sometimes it doesn't make sense, I want to give you the Holy Spirit as a reminder that I will always give you what's best for you as any loving Heavenly Father would. But don't you dare give up because the persistent prayer to God has the ability to move the heart of God. And let me get real practical for the last two or three minutes that we have together. And I want to tell you in my experience why I don't think we pray that much. Be totally transparent. I think it has almost nothing to do with God, personally. And maybe I'm projecting, in fact, I'm sure I am projecting in this. I think it has nothing to do with God. You know what I think it has to do with? I think it's the simplest solution that we don't think of. I think the reason why we don't persistently and prayerfully go to God is because we just don't plan to. It's just as simple as that. We just, in our daily lives, we don't plan to. We don't have a plan for what time in the day, where in the day, we are going to go and we're going to talk to God. I think we just don't plan to. We just think that we ought to. We would never make that connection anywhere outside of spirituality. Right, I mean, if it's, imagine if you're like trying to work out. You're just trying to get yoked. Spring break's coming up, you know, or whatever it is. You got, you know, summer break coming up, and you're thinking, man, I'm gonna be at the beach this summer. I'm going home. Got to get yoked, or ladies got to get, you know, unyoked. I don't know what y'all want to get, but you know, you know, you you want to <laughs> yoga. So you know, you you, you want to do your thing, right? And so here, so here's what we all do, right? You you start to meal prep. Start to do all your shopping on Saturday, do all your shopping on Sunday, get all your protein. You're starting to count your macros. You're starting to eat nothing. You eat like a rabbit's food, you know, and you, you like done all this shopping and all this preparation for it. And you know what time of the day that you're going to the gym. You like pack your stuff. You get your stuff ready for some of the, you're, you're, this is the 830 crowd, right? So you guys are like the type A personalities, which I appreciate about you, right? Which means that like you have all your stuff. You, I mean, it's like pressed iron. Some reason you have the most like, like you tuck in your shirt to your gym shorts. Okay. Like get over yourself, but you have this, like you're, you're ready and you're prepared and I'm ready and I'm prepared. And here's what I also know. If I have a day that I plan on going to the gym and I don't do that, there's a really good chance. I'm not going to the gym. If I have a gym that I, if I have a day that I want to eat better and I don't actually make preparations for what am I going to eat? And I just think I'm going to go through the day, didn't pack a lunch, don't have anything with me. And all of a sudden I'm going to make a super healthy choice that might get it done some of the times, but it will never happen consistently if I don't plan to. Now, now, isn't this true? I think for most of us, we like to put a spiritual and a theological and a prayer imbalance and a priorities imbalance and an answer to imbalance. And I just don't get it. Reality to God. But, but isn't this true? If you're a Christian, most of us have never sat down and planned like planned in our planner. Or if you ha- don't have a planner, that means you're, you know, probably under the age of 40 and you have like an iPhone, right? And so like you just, you've never typed in your iPhone, pray. At this time, 
every day. Spend time with God every day of this time. But isn't it true for everybody in here who that is a regular part of your day and your daily rhythm? Isn't this true that whether you've ever articulated it or not, you know exactly what time tomorrow or you know when tomorrow you're going to spend time with God. You have made a place, and whether you intentionally did it or just happened to work out in your schedule, you made a plan, and you planned to spend time with God. Here's my guess. Every person in here who has been diligent and persistent, diligent and persistent in going to God and praying had a plan, made a plan, had a schedule of time to go to God. One of my favorite pastors is a guy named uh, John Piper. We call him the pipe, or we don't, I do. But John Piper, um, I mean, he has this quote, and as I was studying, this was, I'm telling you, this was the thing that I almost totally just changed the entire sermon. And here's what his quote was. When I read it this week, I was like, this just, this was just like super obvious, but at the same time, an extraordinary quote. He says this, the natural unplanned flow. In other words, when you and I don't plan on our spiritual life, don't plan for how to have a spiritual life, the natural unplanned flow of the spiritual life the natural unplanned flow of the spiritual life naturally falls, and that's not part of the quote, I should have included that. It falls to the lowest ebb of vitality. It always does. If we don't plan to plan, if we don't have a plan for when we're going to spend time in prayer, we will never be the people that consistently go to God in prayer. If we don't make time every day, and I make time, I don't just mean, oh, magically I'm going to prioritize it and somehow I'm going to make time. No, if we don't have an idea of when we're going to spend time with God every day, it is the natural flow of the spiritual life that it will always fall to the lowest ebb of spiritual vitality. You know what that means? It'll fall to the lowest point where we still feel like there's some semblance of life. Because most of us, we have a barometer for how low we can go before we feel like there's nothing there. And we won't let it get to that point, but we'll get it one click above. So here's what I want you to do with today's sermon. This might be the most practical. This might be the most unspiritual type of thing that, you know, somebody has ever asked you to do. But here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to ask you to pray. I'm not going to ask you to spend five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Here's all I want you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to get your planner out. And I want you to block off five minutes. I want you to block off whatever portion of time you feel like you want to. And I just want you to plan for it. You don't have to do it. You don't have to follow through. You don't have to do anything. I just want you to go home and say, if I were to apply this, it would take a plan. And so I, at the bare minimum, I'm going to go home, get my calendar out, get my, you know, Google calendar out, get my whatever calendar you have. I'm just going to plan that if I were to, this is when I would. Now, to wrap this whole series up, let me kind of cast a vision for what I think life could and should be like with God. Wouldn't this be different? Wouldn't this be different? If instead of our prayers saying, God, these are all the things that I need, 
Wouldn't it be different if the epicenter of prayer was, God, I am so in awe of you. God, whatever you want before whatever I want, God, your will be done, not mine. And by the way, God, I do have some stuff going on in life. I do have some stuff that I am dependent on you to come through with. And God, I'm going to come, I'm going to ask you day after day after day after day, because God, I care about this. God, I care about this person. God, I care about these people. And so God, months, weeks, days, years, God, I am going to come up with a schedule because this matters enough to me to plan for it because everything that we care about, we plan for. And so God, I am going to plan for this and I'm going to come to you every single day and every single day, God, I'm going to say, God, you are great. And I'm going to sit under the weight of your glory. I'm going to say, but at the same time, I declare your greatness. And I realize that you're my heavenly father. You're this father that I have intimacy with that I can trust that I speak to and my prayers don't bounce off the wall. And you're the God that God, I know since you're great, God, whatever your will is, your will before mine, And perhaps, God, when I say your will before mine, it's going to be the same thing that Jesus prayed when he prayed right before he died on the cross. And he said, if there's any other way, would you help it to happen that way? And God said, no, it's going to happen through the cross. And maybe that's going to happen, God, but I am going to keep asking and I'm going to keep seeking and I'm going to keep knocking and I am going to be like that widow. And God, at some point, you might just get so tired of me that at the end of the day, you're like, dude, I don't even like this guy, but quit freaking asking. Fine. You can, that person, you know, whatever, you know, I'll provide, I'll do, I'll help, I'll whatever. Like, God, it doesn't matter. Like, if you're like the judge, like, like, God, I'm just going to annoy the dog mess out of you. Okay. Because, because God, here's the thing. I care that much. And God, I am so dependent on you. Because if I could do this, then I wouldn't need to ask you. But I'm going to. My heavenly Father. Now, I think for many of us, that would be a different way to pray. I think for some of us, we would pray more than we ever have before. I think for some of us, it would functionally change how we think about God. Because again, perhaps we've disqualified God by not understanding prayer, which was meant for intimacy and not simply for getting what we want, <clears throat> but going to our Father and saying, God, please, 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 please. You're great. You're my Father. Whatever you want. But every day, I'm going to come and ask you, my Father, for the things that I deeply care about and long for. My guess is, for many of us, that would change the way that we look at God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you gave us your son. We thank you that if we ever question or ever wonder whether or not you'll give us what we need, give us, and you got again, you know what we need. You know the things that we know that we need. You know the things that we don't know that we need. You know the things that we long for. You know the things that we long for that aren't actually the things that are good for us. And God, if we ever wondered if, if you would give us what's good, you did. You gave us your son, and then you gave us your spirit. And so I pray that every single person in this room who wants to take a step of faith, wants to take a step of obedience, wants to take a step towards following you, 
Even if they don't actually go and pray, they will sit down, we will sit down and mark out a time, a minute, a five minutes, a 15 minutes, a reminder in our calendar that simply says to pray. Because God, we want to be the types of men and women of faith who have so much trust in you that we just persistently and consistently come to you, our heavenly Father. And God, I thank you for all the men and women in this room who that describes their life. They have spent the last decade praying, asking, seeking, knocking. And I pray that you would just encourage them to keep praying, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Because we are so dependent on you, our loving, heavenly Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.